really, if you think about the people, the giants in your life, the people who you respect the most, chances are that that person would apologize if they needed to. And after they apologized, I'm betting that instead of respecting them less, you would actually respect them more. Welcome to the Strategic Families Podcast, where we challenge your family to be rooted in God's Word, energized with gospel-centered purpose, and activated on mission for His kingdom. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Strategic Families Podcast. Great to be back with you again. Today's topic could be a little uncomfortable for us, but it's so important for us to grapple with it. Apologies. There is no family among us who doesn't need to deal with this at some point or another. We sin against each other. We break promises. We let each other down. This isn't news to any of us, right? But what I love about today's guest, Dr. Jennifer Thomas, is that she's going to give us some really valuable and practical tools so that we can handle these situations well. And she calls these the five apology languages. Her work is based on research, what people have actually said about how they receive apologies. And we would all do really well to learn from her in her work. And remember, like the five love languages, let's not use this so much to think about what we need, but to think about what others need from us. That humility goes such a long way, especially in a family. Friendly reminder, if this show has been a blessing to you, check out the show notes for a link to our Patreon page, which will help cover the costs of producing the podcast. All right, now on to the show. Well, my guest today is Dr. Jennifer Thomas. She's a motivational speaker specializing in the five love languages and communication. And she's a business consultant, a psychologist, and uh, she recently gave an awesome TEDx talk that we're going to talk about here in a little bit. She's the author of a book that we're going to focus on today called The Five Apology Languages. Dr. Thomas, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Graham. I'm looking forward to our conversation today. Excellent. By way of introduction, why don't you just tell us a little about who you are and your family and what you do for a living? All right. Well, I'm a psychologist. I'm in North Carolina, and I my career path has been uh, variable. So I was in private practice for 25 years. I became an author 15 years ago, kind of unexpectedly. And then um, right before the pandemic, I left private practice in order to focus on writing my second book. And now I'm publicizing that and I'm doing some coaching and consulting, mainly in the workplace. I'm focused on helping teams to get unstuck when there's conflict and to help them to be productive and in general to help everyone have their most healthy possible relationships, both at work and at home. And then as far as my home life, I'm married and have three kids. Two of them are in college and one is in high school. That is excellent. Our listeners can also rest assured that Dr. Thomas has extra credibility because she attended the University of Virginia Uh, No, I'm just kidding. But you do have a lot of credibility regardless, but I went to UVA. So that's why I can say that it's a little inside joke. Yes, it's a nice connection. Excellent. I want to get into the details of your book, The Five Apology Languages uh, that you did with Dr. Gary Chapman. Uh, But before we do that, what if you could just share with our listeners the story that you shared from your TEDx talk? And I just, I love that story, the one that you open with, because to me, it just seemed like such a normal moment that you had with your husband, but 
what's really cool about it is that it, it sounds like it started you on this really fascinating journey that kind of launched your research. So could you relay that story to us? So it was one night, it was, a, I think a Friday night at the end of a long work week. And um, JT is my husband. I was fixing dinner and I made a mistake and I acknowledged it. I quickly said, I'm sorry. But I realized as we sat down to dinner that he had not moved on. He was in a bad mood. And so um, I thought, well, it's going to be a long weekend if we don't get this worked through. <laughs> so I went ahead and asked him, you know, what was wrong and if he was still upset about my mistake. And he he acknowledged that he was, which I appreciate because I think sometimes people will sweep that under the rug. But he said, yeah, I am still bothered by that. And and I asked him why. And he said, well, I guess I just wish you would apologize. And if you're like me, I thought my head was going to explode because I, I said, and so I repeated to him, I said, I was sorry. And he looked at me like, oh, well, I guess you did. But it obviously hadn't registered for him. And so where I might have normally gotten defensive or angry at that moment, I just got curious. And I said, well, JT, it sounds like you were looking to hear something else. Do you know what you wanted to hear? And this is where I, I like to invite everybody to think about, well, what do you think JT said? Because the chances are that that's what you want to hear in an apology as well. And his answer was, I wanted you to say you were wrong. And to me, that's like a synonym. I'm sorry, I was wrong. They, you can use one or the other, they're interchangeable. And so I said, okay, I was wrong. And I didn't really mind saying that. It was like, you know, I'd already said, I apologize. But to him, it made a big difference. And we had a good dinner. We had a nice evening. We had a great weekend. And I thought, wow, I need to file this away because we had been married a number of years by then already. And I, here was the shortcut to help us cut through and for him to get whatever he needed when I inevitably made a mistake. And Another piece about that story that I don't always go into, but I can share here as time permits, is that there are different layers to our disagreements. And for this one, you you might wonder, well, gosh, you know, why did JT really need to hear I was wrong? I mean, she already said she was sorry. Um, but part of it is that he's a very cautious person and I'm more like fly by the seat of my pants kind of person. And at that time, we had two young kids and he was always asking me to be more careful. And to him, there was even like a life and death aspect to it, because I would take the children to the water park with friends. And he was worried I would be chatting with my friends as I do, because I'm very social and that one of the kids might drown. And so he always wants me to focus and not make careless mistakes. And that was part of why it was a big deal that night. No, we weren't at the water park. But he wanted me to slow down and focus and probably not be so ADHD as mm -hmm. I can be. Mm -hmm. And I, I imagine some listeners can relate to that, that what you're arguing about isn't really what you're arguing about. It's really about, you know, safety and life and limb. And there are big stakes, even when, to me, it felt like the littlest thing that night. But we were able to work it through. And then the idea just stuck with me. And I thought, you know, there might be other people who don't realize that, that their partner or their work partner has some magic words when it comes to an apology that they've never thought to ask them for. Right. Wow. That's so powerful. And 
so much hope for the rest of us who are not clinical psychologists <laughs> to know that even in the home of a psychologist, there are things to be worked through. And I love that right. you thought to really get into his head and rather than just focus on, well, this is what I meant, take it or leave it, to actually care enough to say, hey, let's talk about this and let's work through it. What a great application for marriages and for families. Okay, so let's push this a little bit further. How did this translate into your research and your connection with Dr. Chapman? And then let's move that into how that translated into what you've come up with as the five apology languages. Yeah. So at that time, JT and I were volunteering as marriage mentors at our church and um, we were speaking that very weekend. So, you know, there's always like current conflict going on, real material. And so we share, <laughs> we share this with the class and we said, look, I know that you've learned each other's love languages as part of your premarital course here. Um, but if you haven't had an argument by this point in your relationship, I'm sure that you will on your wedding day. So <laughs> why don't you take a few minutes now, just pair up and talk with your fiance about what constitutes a sincere apology to you. And then the other question that I wanted them to discuss was when you hear a really bad apology, what's missing? And so we devoted the time there for them to, to learn from each other. You know, what did your parents expect you to say or do? Or what did your teachers expect from you when you apologized? And so that idea sat around in my head for, for months, actually. And then I I was getting curious about whether Gary Chapman had ever thought of this parallel to the love languages, because to me, it was, I would say, fairly clear that, that this was something where you have an expectation that you carry around, you don't necessarily share it with others. And then if they offer what they offer, whether it's love or apologies, then they kind of check it off and move on and may not realize that you're left thinking, and give me a little more here. Right. Right. Um, and luckily, I had met Gary Chapman through my work, and I had um, actually called him up when I first moved to town as a networking thing. I, I wanted to get to know him, and so I called him, and I thought I would probably get his assistant, but no, he picked up the phone, <laughs> and, and I stammered a bit, and I said, uh, is this Gary Chapman? He said, yes, and then I said, like the author? He said, yes. <laughs> It wasn't too big of a leap for me to call and make an appointment to meet with him. I had done that once before. And he tells a story now that he was actually nervous when I was coming in because he was concerned that I was coming to share that I had marriage problems. And he, he said he wouldn't have seen that coming. He know, knew JT a little bit. But you know that's why people call him is help me with my marriage. And so when I told him, I have an idea to share with you and, and here's what it is. His first reaction was relief that we were doing fine. And then his second reaction was um, excitement and interest for this concept because he said, honestly, Jennifer, I've never thought about this, but I can really see it. And I think it could be a second really essential piece to having a healthy relationship because we know he's all about the love tank and keeping that full. But he also knows that we've got to be able to handle conflicts that are inevitable and the barriers that those create. Right. Oh, that's excellent. That's so cool to hear that story about how that how that came to be. And when I first learned about this just a few weeks ago, yeah, it's one of those things that it's almost immediately obvious, like, wow, yes, 
we all need help with this, right? You know, I mean, it's not like there's a, a training for how to give an apology, like, a, you know, a, a training course. Now, granted, you know, like you said, you learn just by catching it as you grow up from your parents, what's expected. And we have these implicit understandings of what a good apology is and what it isn't, as you said, but we need tools. And that's what I love as I shared with you before we started. That's what I love about this is I feel like you're going to give us sort of a tool belt of all these different tools of ways that we can apologize that will make our apologies more effective, bring greater wholeness and peace and reconciliation and all that stuff. I, I love it. Okay. So let's get into some of the details. You know, we know apologies, especially in a family, they should be common if they're not common because we're all sinners. We mess up all the time, but words really matter. And I think sometimes we think that they don't matter. Some of us never were really taught how to apologize. Can you talk generally about why apologies are so important, both for individual, you know, one-on-one relationships and just in the context of a family? Yeah. So the question is, why even apologize? I mean, it might make us feel bad. It might be awkward, uh, but it's an, a really important skill so that we can let people know that we want to be in a good relationship with them. And we know each time that we mess up, even if we didn't intend to cause a problem or hurt someone, it creates a a barrier between us and them. And it can be like bricks in a wall that build up over time and they don't go away on their own. So we need to do something to take down those walls, move those bricks off and to create the possibility of forgiveness. Now I will say someone won't necessarily forgive you just because you've apologized, even if you give them a really good apology, but we feel like it increases the odds of both forgiveness and reconciliation. Mm, Right. Oh, that is excellent. So true and great caveat. You're right. It's even if we do it right, you know, in a way that, that does not mean reconciliation is guaranteed, but at least we can do our part to do it well if we follow a lot of the guidance that you're giving us. Okay, so can we dive into each one of these? Because I think each of them is so important and we're going to put this in our show notes. Talk about what the five apology languages are and how your research arrived at them. So after Gary Chapman got interested in my idea, we decided to survey people about what they wanted to hear in an apology. So we asked that question to 4,000 people and their answers just happened to fall into five categories. And we promised we weren't looking for five, although we know Gary Chapman really likes that number. (laughs) So those five have really stood the test of time. I haven't had someone come and say, you know, I think there's a sixth. I think there's a seventh. That's kind of how my mind works. So if you have that, let me know. But I like to think of the five as going from past to present and future. And they also are steps that build on each other. So you can think of them as separate languages or just think of them as steps to a complete apology. So the first two I've already touched on, those are saying I'm sorry or expressing regret, which I tend to reflexively say. And then the second one is accepting responsibility or saying I was wrong. And with both of these, you should be specific about what you're admitting to. You don't want to say like, I'm sorry for what I did, or I was wrong to do what I did, right? You need to name what you did or else the recipient is going to feel like you're trying to minimize it in some way. And so with both of those, you're saying the buck stops here and your feelings are important to me. 
But the challenge is that some people are going to listen to that and they'll say, that's great. I, I would accept Jennifer's apology. But another group of people might say, no, she didn't do enough. So what are we still missing? And a, a big part of it is that we're missing action. So, so far I've just used words. And as we all know, talk is cheap. So our third ap apology language brings in some action and that is making amends and letting the other person know that you're willing to spend your time or your money making them whole again. So this means in the present, I'm going to make you bright or whole, just like you were before I came along and created this problem. And then moving to our last two apology languages, our fourth one is preventing a reoccurrence of the problem. So we're letting them know what kind of planning we're doing to prevent this from coming up again. And there's a religious term that applies here too, which is um, repenting of what you've done. And if you look up the original Greek or Hebrew on that, repenting means walking one direction and then turning around 180 degrees and walking back the other way. Right. And so we're letting the person know as we turn towards the future that I recognize that you've forgiven me this time. Maybe you forgave me last time. You're going to run out of patience if I keep doing this. So here's how I'm going to prevent myself from hurting you or disappointing or frustrating you in this way going forward. And then our final apology language is actually a question. And it's one that really didn't occur to Gary Chapman or to me. And that is a question, will you please forgive me? And we found that only 3% of people most want to hear this and an apology. But for that group of people, it's really important to them. And they may go through life feeling like, you know, why do people give such bad apologies? Or they may have even been told by people, well, you're not very forgiving. You know, I said I was sorry, or I said I was wrong, or I made amends, and I've made a way to prevent it from happening. But for them, until you've requested their forgiveness, they may not realize how sincere you really are. Right. So powerful. I love that you shared about you just idea that talk is cheap. I think that's more obvious for some people than it is for others. But I, I came across something today in my Bible reading. I thought it was so cool. I was like, this is Dr. Thomas's research. So this is out of Exodus chapter nine. Pharaoh actually uses one of the apology languages. It's kind of crazy. This is after the seventh plague. He says, this time I have sinned. The Lord is in the right and I and my people are in the wrong. And then he, you know, asked Moses to plead with the Lord. And here's what Moses said, uh, you know, a few verses later, he says, but as for you and your servants, I know that you do not yet fear the Lord God. I thought that is so cool because that's basically Moses being like, okay, I hear you that you're sorry. You know, like I, I can see through that though. Like, right. I can see through that and I need to see action. And obviously, you know, the story goes on and, and, you know, it got, it gets, it gets worse for Pharaoh, but I thought that's, and I would love to just kind of study the Bible through that lens and say, what kind of apologies are there in the Bible that we could learn from? Yeah. Great point. Yeah. So cool. Sorry. This is not on my list of questions, but I would love for you to talk about this. Cause I think this is so fascinating in your TEDx talk, you talked about bad apologies and uh, we, we all know, them. you know, like I, well, I'm sorry that you feel that way or, uh, you know, I made a mistake and, you know, just weak sauce. Right. And to the extent that you were offended, I apologize. Right, right. I'm so sorry that you were offended at what I said. You know, I'm not sorry for what I said. I, so I, 
Can you maybe just touch on that a little bit and like talk about some of the pitfalls that people may fall into when they try to offer an apology, but really they're protecting themselves and, you know, that whole dynamic? Right. And now these days we've got sorry, not sorry. Um, (laughs) And I think we're just braced for people when they start to apologize to add the word, but that's the biggest downfall for apologies. And what we say is a but creates a non-apology. It takes what we were just saying and it erases it completely. And then some of the other things people do is they'll rush us. Like they might say, well, it's time to move on. Why are you even asking for this apology? Can't you just drop it? You're obviously too sensitive. I was just joking. All of those things are really bad communication because if if I'm telling you I was offended, then I was offended. And unfortunately, those people seem to think the best defense is a good offense. But really, a much better skill is to restate what they're hearing and then either apologize if you see the problem or wait. Don't apologize yet if you don't see the problem. We actually don't want fake apologies. Uh, We call that like apologizing for peace at any price. But hold off on your apology until you really understand what they're saying and what you did wrong. Until then, I really just want you to be having a conversation and restating what they're saying. And then you could even say, well, I see it somewhat differently. Can you help me? Because this is how I see it. This is what I hear you saying. And then here's a, a phrase that you can use to help help here. You can say what you wish, like, oh man, given what you've shown me today about how that really upset you or troubled you or caused problems for you. I really wish I could go back and do it differently. I would love to be able to take this burden off of you and off of our relationship. And I, you know, I would give anything if I could do that because you mean so much to me. And then I would move right into something about your commitment and how important they are to you. Absolutely. Yeah. One of the things that I love about your framework here is that it fits so perfectly in with the love languages, because what we're talking about here is, I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but correct me if I'm wrong. What you're talking about here is not like, hey, um, this is a way to get past the conflict in your life. If you have conflict and people don't really understand you or, you know, you want to understand them better, like you can apologize and then get back to normal. What you're talking about is really loving another person well, respecting another person well enough to seek out their point of view, to truly seek and not just to say the right words so that I can kind of, you know, move on with my life. You're talking about wholeness and reconciliation and really, I mean, not to get too touchy feel about, but love, right? I mean, this is, this is a way of loving another person. There's not a question there. I just, I just think it's so valuable in that respect. Right. Yeah, that's a very good point. Your point is very well taken because another problem that comes up if we apologize, but we don't really mean it, we're just doing it because we love them, is we can get resentful over Mm. time. And that's no good for the relationship. Right. Totally. So, okay, we know there's no perfect family out there, right? (laughs) We need (laughs) lots of apologies. Uh, One of the things you talked about in in your TEDx talk was using all five of them. And when I heard that, I was like, well, that's, that sounds like a lot to fit in. I imagine it's easier than I'm thinking, but we, you know, we all know that just saying sorry and moving on is just not going to cut it. And we see that. It's funny how we see it in our 
kids, you know, sorry. And then just walk off and, you know, my wife and I at least have made a little bit of progress in understanding that, no, you do need to name it and you do need to acknowledge it. Good. But we have not really, you know, gotten to that step where I think you would encourage us of helping our kids see the value of incorporating all five of them. Can you talk about why that's so important? And then give us an example of what that might look like. So when we're talking about kids specifically, I believe in teaching them a good lead in for any apology is the phrase, I apologize. What we think is that it's not a separate apology language. It's just like a vanilla base that any apology can be added onto. And it helps people to know that you're not about to blame them. And so where I reflexively just say, I'm sorry, I'm trying now and I'm teaching my kids to say, I apologize. And then add whatever you want to, to that apology. I also like with kids teaching them to say what they did wrong and then something about, well, why is that not okay? Uh, What principle does that violate? An example would be like my, my daughter, when she would come out of timeout, she might need to say, mom, I'm sorry. I yelled at you. And that's not okay because it's disrespectful. Mm. And then sometimes with kids, there are days where they just aren't going to do that. They would just stay in timeout overnight. (laughs) (laughs) I'll take the punishment. That's right. So to break the impasse and to let them kind of save face when they need to, I came up with an alternative where they could write out their apology and hand it to me or slip it under my door. And what that does is it gives them a little bit of space. You're not controlling them, breathing down their neck. And, you know, chances are they're mad at you. So they don't really want to say it. Plus, I was able to build sort of a humor file of these apologies my kids have given me. I write their name <laughs> and, and date on it and, and hold it back. One of them that <laughs> I was looking at the other day when my son was younger, he's like, I apologize for calling you a a bad name. And then it said, but you should know that people don't mean everything they say. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. You know, like any good kid, he totally shifted the blame over to me. (laughs) And hopefully, you know, we grow out of that. He was only like seven at the time. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, we, we may have coworkers or relatives who haven't grown, grown beyond that stage. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if I was talking to that person and trying to teach them, you know, teach an old dog new tricks, how do you give a complete apology? I would go to our book here and I would start at the top with some different statements. You know, it's going to depend on what the situation was, but I'll share one from each category just moving through it. So um, a statement of regret example would be, I know now that I hurt you very deeply. That causes me immense pain. I'm truly sorry for what I did. Then accepting responsibility. I know what I did was wrong. I could try to excuse myself, but there's no excuse. Pure and simple, what I did was selfish and wrong. Then statements of restitution. I don't feel right just saying I'm sorry. I wanna make up for what I've done. Let me offer this and then give a specific way that you think you'd like to make it up to them and then ask them how that sounds. They might have something more or something different that they want to suggest. And then some statements for how to prevent a reoccurrence, which we call planned change. One is, I know that my behavior was very painful to you. I don't ever want to do that again. And here you could be more specific based on the situation you're in. I don't want to do fill in the blank again. I'm open to any ideas. 
you might have on how I might change my behavior. And then we don't want to leave it all on them. So I would add, and this is what I know I can do. So for example, if, if I tend to run late, I might say, so I'm going to go ahead and pick up my phone right here and put in a repeating reminder so that I'll, I'll leave. And I'm actually going to set it 10 minutes earlier to allow because I tend to run late. Right. You're showing a good faith effort. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And then finally, the statements requesting forgiveness. Um, here's one. I'm sorry for the way I spoke to you. I know it was loud and harsh. You did not deserve that. It was very wrong of me. And I hope you can find it in your heart to forgive me. Wow. So powerful. Words, you know, we read in the book of James just how powerful our words are. You know, one of the things that you said struck me was, I know I've deeply offended you, you know, something along those lines. And I think when we do that, we acknowledge the other person's hurt and acknowledge our own responsibility. It takes down those walls, you know, like you said, because that, you know, self-effacement is so hard, but so life-giving towards reconciliation with another person. This was also not on my list of questions, but if you could just put on your psychologist hat for a, a minute, why is it so hard for us to apologize? What is it about us as humans that we just don't want to? Well, I think there are a couple of things we see with this. Um, one is that we may have had parents who tried to toughen us up. I think especially males have run into this where they feel like being a man means being tough and never apologizing. Right. Right. And we've seen this, you know, with some of our leaders as well as parents. But the message, I think, is misplaced because really, if you think about the people, the giants in your life, the people who you respect the most, chances are that that person would apologize if they needed to. And after they apologized, whether it was to you or you saw them apologizing to someone else, I'm betting that instead of respecting them less, you would actually respect them more. Totally. And so I try to use that as motivation, like think about how you do respect those people. If you have tended to be an under apologizer, try to be more like that right. model or mentor. But then on the other hand, we have over apologizers. These are people who apologize kind of just for being. And we do have a section <laughs> in the five apology languages where we talk about don't do that either, you right. know, um, because it cheapens your apologies. Um, when they do come. So wait until it's something that you agree that you did, whether or not your intention was bad. I mean, sometimes we're just clueless and maybe we had good intentions, but a bad result. I would say do apologize for that, but don't apologize if you really disagree or if you would do this very same thing if you had it to do over again. In that case, you want to have a conversation and reaffirm your commitment to them. Right. I'm so glad you made that connection about strength and weakness. I think that is a total, like really destructive misconception. I remember talking with a guy recently, he was talking about his experience growing up with his dad. And that was the most prominent thing he remembered about his growing up and why he respected his dad the most, I believe, wow. was that his dad would apologize. I just, I'm struck by that because I mean, think of all the things that you might remember about your parent. And this is a guy reflecting, you know, years later, and he's like, my dad would apologize. And so it's actually, mm. it's funny, the whole strength, weakness, and how that ties to apology. It's actually the reverse. It is the harder thing to apologize, meaning it is the stronger person who is able to admit when they're wrong. 
That's right. And I want to piggyback on that, Graham, because that's such an important point. And I have an example of a parent who um, had apologized to their child and what the child wrote back to the parent in a note Um, He was willing for me to share with others because it was such a change in his life that he was practicing this new apology skill and he wanted for me to share the result of it with others. Yeah, please. Just a quick little note, but um, this daughter wrote um, to her pastor father who had um, never apologized to them and she was now a grown child. She wrote, dad, you made a brave step in the right direction last night. I appreciate it. Keep going with it. The more you admit your wrongs, the more respect I have for you. I'm more proud of how you tried to recover our relationship than the sermon you preached last night. (sighs) Go have fun today. And then she signed her name. Wow. I'm going to be honest with you. That almost made me cry. Uh, (laughs) Maybe it is making me cry right now. That's amazing. I love how the Lord works through things like that and, and our humility. Wow. Well, I, I did want to ask you before we close out, this is the Strategic Families Podcast. We want to be as strategic as possible and intentional to teach these things to our kids, but it's not just teaching. We have to model it. And you've touched on this a little bit in that story you just relayed touched on this. I want to help give parents a vision for why it's so important that when we wrong our kids, because we all do, there's no such thing right. as a parent on this earth who has not wronged their kids in some way. And we have an amazing opportunity to model for our kids what true humility looks like through apologizing. I just wonder if you could talk about that a little bit, that family dynamic. Why is that so important that we get that as parents and help our kids see it through our own apologies? Right. Well, you articulated it very well. This is one of the best things we can do as parents is to be willing to apologize. And we can model it either by apologizing directly to our kids or by apologizing to other adults when they're around, right? Or both, ideally. And, you know, I think if you will apologize to your kids, you may be surprised to find how quickly they they are willing to forgive. Um, something I've noticed when I apologize to another adult, even my husband, is I may be worried, like, is he going to pile on? Is he going to say, yeah, mm, you always right, do that? Or, right. And another thing, Jen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but when I tell my kids, oh, I apologize. I totally blew that. You know, I promised I would get free in 10 minutes and then it was 30 minutes or whatever. Being specific they'll say, that's okay. And they move on. Um, And it's actually, once I noticed how they do that, it was kind of fun to watch. And so I've been practicing, you know, getting better and, and not holding back from apologizing to them. And then there's a Christian parenting camp, actually, that I've been a part of. It's called JH Ranch. They encourage parents of teenagers to go to them and say something like, you know, I'm really, basically, I'm a newbie at this. I've never had a teenager before. We're making this up as we go along. And I want to apologize for the ways I've let you down. And, you know, see how the kids react to that. And if they're nodding, like, yeah, you really have. Go on into the conversation and talk about any specifics you can remember. And then maybe ask them, to let you know sometimes you've forgotten that are still sticking with them so that you can really clear the air. That is great. 
Well, wow, this has been so enlightening and life-giving. And I just, I love your work. I love that you have encouraged us and not just encouraged us, but given us such good tools to use within our families. I think this concept, man, I just hope it goes far and wide and just like catches on like wildfire because I think we have so much to learn from your work. So thank you so much. What a privilege. Well, thank you, Graham. I appreciate it. It's been wonderful to talk with you. Yeah. So, okay. So before we finally close out, can you tell us, you know, I'm sure there are going to be people who go, where can I get this book? You know, how can I follow this research? So tell us where people can go to, to follow you and your work. My website is drjenthomas.com. It's D-R-J-E-N-Thomas.com. And on there, I have links to the book on my homepage, a link to my TED Talk down at the bottom. And then under my free resources tab, people can go there and find the uh, free copy of our apology language quiz and also a free love languages quiz. And then on, I'm on social media on Facebook. I'm under Jennifer Thomas author, and I'm on Instagram as the apology expert. Perfect. All right. The five apology languages by Dr. Jen Thomas. What a privilege. Thank you so much for your time, for the encouragement, for the challenge that you've offered us. And thank you so much for your work and what the Lord is doing through you. Well, it's been my pleasure. Dr. Thomas, thank you so much for taking the time to share your expertise with us. What great wisdom and so applicable for family life. So what do you say, parents? I think we can all do better in our apologies. And remember, this isn't just about saying the right words, but about meeting people where they are so that we can move forward in forgiveness and reconciliation and peace. Yes, of course we're going to wrong each other, but in humility, by God's grace, we can make it right quickly and effectively. And when we have that dynamic in our homes, we'll be so much better equipped to go out into the world and advance God's kingdom. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get podcasts, and we'd love to have your review on Apple Podcasts as well. Also, check us out on strategicfamilies.com. We would love to hear from you on how you're building a strategic family that honors Christ. All right, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.